Yo, everybody, welcome to the Ednium Podcast, where we have real conversations with the amazing talent in Denver's backyard to inform the system and change the game for the next generation. I hope you're thriving. Let's go. What's good, everybody? Hope everyone is doing well. Hope everyone is thriving. Thank you for tuning in. Switching up the intro here a little bit just to make sure you got some context into the series. Um, As some of you may know, in November, there's an important election coming up in Denver. Uh, Voters will be casting their ballots to see who will be representing our communities on the Denver Public Schools Board of Education. Uh, This year, there's three different seats open, uh, District 1, District 5, as well as an at-large seat. And as always, we're here to build spaces to have real authentic connection, real authentic conversation, understand these candidates' vision for the district, the vision for our communities, as well as who they are as people. Um, More than anything, we hope that this sparks some deeper questions for you as you think about who you're going to vote for. And most importantly, know that we are not endorsing any candidate. We've reached out to every single candidate and asked them all to come down and, and sit with us and share some game with us and share who they are. Um, So I do hope that this gives you a better sense um, and hopefully some more insight that you wouldn't typically get from candidates as they're on the campaign trail. Um, Now, special, super uh, important announcement for us uh, is that support for this podcast series comes from the Denver Foundation. Now, through gifts of cash and stocks or more complex assets, the Denver Foundation helps generous donors get the most from their giving. Uh, More than anything, they you know, invest in our communities. They help people be able to invest in our communities. And we appreciate them for investing in our collective vision at Ednium. Uh, Super excited. We're coming up, y'all. And uh, with nothing more to say, let's get this thing rolling. Peace. And we're live. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm feeling a little uh, not the best this morning, but happy to be here. Well, you're still looking good. You know (laughs) what I mean? You still brought good energy into the room. I appreciate you being here. Um, Tell the world who we're talking to today. Uh, my name's Marlene De La Rosa, and I am a DPS candidate for School District Five, awesome. Northwest Denver. Northwest Denver. What made you? What made you run? What do you? Why'd you jump into this crazy thing? I think I have spent my life uh, in my community doing things to impact, uplifting the community, especially in the Latino community, mm-hmm. and so when. I just recently retired and this there was this vacancy to run, not a vacancy, but an opportunity to run mm-hmm. for the district in the community that I've been living in and that I love. Yeah. And so with that passion for education that I've had all my life since a young girl, I decided it with lots of encouragement from others that I was going to. Yeah jump in the race that's it's a, it's a bold move I, I i tell everybody like look people don't get into this to like hurt children like they care they might have some different ideas you know and the, the biggest purpose of this podcast is really to say these are people um these are people who who care and that have stories that are more than like the sound bites you might hear on the forums um Tell, tell folks kind of your story. How'd you, what, what's been the trajectory from growing up to now ending in a space where you're ready to run for school board? I think even as a really young child, I always wanted to be a teacher. Hmm. And I would uh, 
put papers and books in my Barbie suitcase. And uh, <laughs> my brother was my student, and or I try to find kids in the block that wanted to yeah. to be my students while I was the teacher. <laughs> my daughter does that. She she always <laughs> says, "You want to play teacher," but then I know. That's really, hey, we're going to play teacher and you're just going to do everything I say. Like, that's her idea of the teacher, you know what I mean? So uh, later on, uh, my mom worked at this nonprofit called the Chicano Education Project. Mm -hmm. What their focus was uh, trying to change the inequities that were on, this was back in the 70s. -hmm. And they focused, there was... At that time, you st- were not allowed to speak another language in school. You could not speak Spanish in school. Mm-hmm. And so that was, they worked to try to change some of those laws. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my mom was a single parent. So what we, what I did was go in the office and did a lot of office work. Yeah. Made copies, did mailers. So read a lot of those things about what those inequities were. So I thought. I'm going to be a bilingual education, elementary education Mm. teacher. Went to UNC for four years, and then my mom was ill, so I transferred to Metro. Mm -hmm. And I just, one of the things was the salary for teachers back then was really like, I don't know, low 20s. Yeah, that's crazy. There's no way I can live on that. Yeah. And uh, so I, tr- I changed my major to criminal justice. I got a job while I was attending Metro. Hmm. Uh, they, the federal government had a program back then called the Stay in School Program. Hmm. And so they supported uh, students while they went through, with jobs while hmm. they went through college. Hmm. And then I started there and I just continued on in that criminal justice field and worked in the immigration court my whole life. Hmm. And how do you, do they still have that program? They To like help you get a job while you're in college? Many. No, and it, it was really a great program. I, I probably know at least eight other people that were worked in my building that hmm. continued their yeah. careers through that, like my brother did. That's Be- one of the biggest things we hear is like, one, I don't have like the in. Like, you know, like a lot of first gen, they're not getting those like internships that like lead to the jobs. Right. But then too, it's like part of the reason people don't go to college is because they can't afford to like live. They yeah. still need to support people. You know what I mean? It, huh. I'll tell you my brother's story. Um, so when I got a job there, I got him a job there. Uh, um, so he also worked in the feds and he started working as a student in the mail room yeah. and then went up and became a special agent. Wow. For Homeland Security and was like got to work in Honduras and yeah. got to work in El Salvador. He was the attache in El Salvador. So definitely like that building that pipeline mm-hmm. of giving people opportunities. Here's a glimpse of what it's like to work in the federal government. Yeah. And and just promoting that leadership and that yeah. growth all the way from from being in the mail room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got to work your way up somewhere. In the agency up to yeah. a very high position. We've been thinking about that a lot cuz one of the one of the things we're trying to push is like how do we get the city, how do we build the infrastructure for you know, DPS alumni to to get these types of jobs and to have exposure to them and you know, how do you incentivize the the business community on in the nonprofit community to hire DPS alumni? Right. I'm like, "Huh." 
There's already a blueprint, huh? We might be. Yeah. <laughs> they don't call we'll it to... stay in school anymore. I forget the name of what it is now, but yeah. they don't have a, But it was a great. Yeah. Um, like I said, most of the people back then I still worked all their career in. In that field. That's crazy. Now, you went and you went to DPS, your DPS alumni. Am I, am I, I tripping on that? I did not go oh, to okay. DPS. I, uh, well, actually, I did a, just maybe like two years, but. Okay. I guess I always just assumed because you had such the close tie to the to the Vikings that yes. I assumed you were Viking yourself. Well, you know, my gr- my grand, I lived there when I was young. My grandmother lived there. My uh-huh. great both sets of great grandparents lived all in Northwest Denver and yeah. the North Side. Yeah, yeah. So that's still home. Yes, the yeah. North Side is home. I spent every summer living with my grandparents and house hopping. Really. <laughs> yep, I feel it. Because they all. All this whole family lived within like an eight block radius. Hmm. So it was really great experiencing that growing up. How did you, so you said you worked in the immigration. What have you seen there that's kind of like impacted and influenced your perspective on education? And what's that, how would you make that connection between? I think one of the important things and one of one of the things that we saw every day is how much people value education, Hmm. how important it is to everybody, to every parent, really. Like, how can I get my kids the best education possible? And a lot of people immigrate to the United States because they want to be a part of our education system, where in some countries it only goes to a certain level and then you have to pay. So then there's that definite difference in economics. Your education is dependent upon that. Yeah. I was just going to say, so I, I mean, I think that was an overall sentiment and, you know, something that the judges would ask always in court. Do you have kids and are they enrolled in school? Mm, yeah. Uh, I have a uh, shout out to Uzman. He's a board member at NMOG. He works for the African Leadership Group. And him and uh, Papa had invited me to one of their events. It was like the education event. And I, I remember sitting down at the table um, with one of the one of the dads there. And he, he leans over to me because I tell him I work, you know, in education kind of. And he goes, what the hell is going on? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, we came over here thinking that the education system was going to be, you know, the best. Um, and like, we're not seeing that, you know what I mean, in our, in our district. And I've like heard that sentiment from African immigrants and particularly Mexican immigrants um, that they come here and they're almost like disappointed with the educational experience. Have you heard that or is that just unique to my experience? No, I have also heard that. Yeah. In what ways are you seeing that? I think... Um, one of the things I notice is that it's in many of other countries and other cultures, their respect for the teacher and mm. the education system is incredible. Mm. And I and they really, really value yeah. them as a part of their mm-hmm. their education, a part of their community. They're very highly valued. Yeah, they have like a different place in society, it yes. seems like. Yeah. And <laughs> I think Sometimes we get too caught up in political ideologies and we forget about, hey, we're here because we need to educate kids. And, you know, we need to find creative, innovative ways to meet the needs of all this diverse population. Yeah. 
and recognize that it's changing. What we did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, isn't the same thing that's going to work in today's society. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's a large part of the reason why we started Ednium, too, was like, yo, the world is different, but school hasn't really changed. Um, there's all these politics. There's these kind of two competing sides and factions, and none of them are really talking about the things that people in real life are dealing with. You know what I'm saying? And, and part of what we think is the issue, not only with the school board, but just like in general, is like, how do you cut through that noise to build a shared positive, positive definition of success for our school district? My question to you is like, how do you, how do you define success for our kids? And then like, how are you gonna be able to cut through that political noise to make some real happen for our people? I think one of the things I've tried to focus on is just uplifting people, hmm. you know? How do I uplift the people I interact with? I've always been involved in all types of community organizations and working and going way back when I was in, my kids were in Head Start. One of the main things I thought about that is always important is like parents, supporting parent engagement and how do we have parents coming forward because as parents that isn't the thing that's bothering us mm -hmm. that political ideology we're, we're here to help each other we're here, here to help all the kids yeah. be successful in whatever it is they want to do yeah. and how do they tap into what's their personal purpose what's your passion that mm -hmm. you have that you want to expand upon and how do you want to leave your footprint in the yeah. world and your community yeah and the parent thing is <clears throat> I always knew it was important but it kind of got underlined for me um, recently, like my daughter needs just additional support. She's we're having the, the dual language program, and so you know she's kind of struggling. To, you know the, the Spanish words and the English words. She's trying to learn them both at the same time. So it's just you know, and I remember like they called us and we sat down with them. And like me being her dad, I could tell them, hey, just elevate your expectation for her. Like her issue isn't that she's incapable. Her issue is that she knows she can get away if she just says, oh, I'm tired. You know what I mean? Right. Um, give her love still. Elevate it. Every time you elevate the expectations for this little girl, she meets them and exceeds them. And like, I felt like that gave the teachers the license to be like, okay, we can push her a little bit. And like mm -hmm. within a month, we've seen dramatic changes. You know what I mean? But had it not been that and had we not had that relationship, they feel like, ah, oh, I need to make sure this little, like she feels happy all the time. It's like, well, nah, like you got the license from Pops now. How do we build more of that? I think recognizing that, that that's the partnership that needs to exist, right? That parent-teacher-student partnership, that mm -hmm. family, the student, the teacher, and that each of, they're equal, right? Yeah. In this educational journey, how do we emphasize that we're all here for the same reason mm -hmm. and inc and including community in that. Yeah. So it's more like that little four-way thing. Yeah. How do we say we all want the success of kids yeah. and recognizing it's going to look different for every family depending upon what every family situation looks like. But I used to do a lot. I did a lot of parent engagement mm -hmm. and trying to get not only parents to say you are just as valued in this journey in this path as the teacher hmm. they know one piece of your student and you know one piece of your child yeah and so how do we 
work together to 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 elevate that. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the issue is like, how do parents engage, right? And specifically, like within your role on the board, like where is the place for parents to have like real conversation, not yelling and screaming, not like like complaining without like having a solution coming to the table. But like, how do you bridge those partnerships? We see there's been this like breakdown of trust in definitely the Denver School Board, but also like, and that's not even, but I'm not pointing fingers. It's just a fact, right? Like right. The, the community has lost trust in our, in our district. Right. And like, you know, it's a phenomenon that's happening across the board. People are losing faith in, in a lot of our public systems. How, if you're on the school board, can you help build back that trust? What does that look like? I think I just go back to my own experience and <clears throat> how do I how did I do that like working yeah. with different different populations of parents and trying to help them understand maybe there's different ways we engage mm. and having teachers also uh how do I recognize maybe those parents are working, they can't actually come into the school, yeah. but they can do something on the weekend or they can do something in the evening. And here's some ways, um, if you're gonna do your meal plan for the week, hmm. hey, let's all do this meal plan for the week and let's try to be critical thinkers of how we're gonna make, uh, we'll buy one giant package of chicken, for example, and how are we gonna make that last over yeah. the days? and whose turn is it going to be to cook and how are we going to all help and what's going to be the cost is yeah. you're talking about building community right and yeah. and so how do we you know your family pitches in and you all think about that hey there's some activities going on in the city cultural activities or music or theater or art mm -hmm. let's go see what it's all about and finding those ways to just improve on that yeah. education, that Spend learning, time with each other. spending time. Yeah. Because education doesn't just occur in the classroom. There's Facts. so many things that you can do to just enhance that learning. Um, I was a single mom, had two jobs most of the time. So a lot of those things I couldn't afford, but I wanted my kids to have what, wealthy kids had. I mm. wanted them to have the kind of education experience that other kids were having that I knew supplement their learning. Yeah. So I did all these scholarship applications to the zoo, to the art museum, yep. nature and science museum, went on all the free days, every possible thing I could think of or find to yeah. enhance what they learned in school to what they learned out in the community and trying to help them to be good community people. Yeah. I mean, your kids had a real competitive advantage having a mom like that, like <laughs> for real. Like, and like even with my kids, like they think it's me. Like, nah, it's it's my wife that's like handling and making sure they get to all these trips and they know what's going on. And a lot of it is just like awareness of stuff happening. And I, mm -hmm. th there's been this like reoccurring theme I've been hearing from some of the other candidates that we've done this podcast with, is saying like, how do you share the message? How do you communicate better? With the, with the community around what actually is happening, what is the nuance and the decisions that are being made? Like, how would you go, how can you go about that? How do we start to build the, the discussion, the dialogue? That's I mean, not one-sided. I think, and I experienced this while my kids were in school where I felt like the district made decisions without involving the community. Mm -hmm. And it's, that 
that's where you break that trust. You break that trust. You break that confidence. And when you, it's like, do you not feel that we are capable of understanding your decision? Mm -hmm. That you wouldn't explain it to us. You would just tell us that this is the decision that was made. Mm -hmm. And now you deal with it rather than, so we are doing something. We should be doing it with the community instead of to the community. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was... Well, my kids—I don't even remember how old they were—but um, one of the schools they want that it was closed, and the mm -hmm. community wanted it to be an elementary school. Hmm. They said we have a lot of kids; we need this to be opened as an elementary school. Mm -hmm. Well, the district was like, "No, we're going to put this other school in there, this mm -hmm. Montessori Junior Senior High School, hmm. where Smedley is." Yeah, and so. This was like a unique process. So I was a facilitator for this conversation. We had two parents from all the different schools all around the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Lake, from Skinner, from Trevista, from North, from all in all levels. Yeah. Uh, people f who were in the Montessori program. Yeah. And we, we toured the schools. We looked at this. And we kept meeting till we went through this whole uh, process of coming to what is the best conclusion. We each gave our pros and cons. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of this community, the stakeholder working group process, everybody came to a conclusion of what was going to be best to meet the needs of the neighborhood with mm -hmm. an understanding that Maybe we all didn't get what we wanted, no. but the most important part was we all came together and yeah. we're going to support this decision. Yeah. And so, you know, even looking at data, we had to look at a lot of data. We looked at projected enrollment in that pocket of the city, Northwest Denver, is one of the most gentrified yeah. in all of Denver. So looking at realistically, this projected amount of kids is not really there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so, and then we, we, there was a thing, we're going to monitor that mm -hmm. over the next few years. And sure enough, each year the enrollment was going down because the people living in there didn't have kids. <laughs> right. But it, then we all came together, we created the document and we presented that to the school board yeah. and said, here's what we. Did they listen? Yes. Okay. And I mean, so that was like, everybody felt good about that process. Yeah. And then we even met a few times after that. And so it, it was a way for us to come together mm -hmm. as everybody yeah. in the community. And so recognizing that the, the, commu the community is really important also in yeah. this that makes a lot of sense. Education. So just let me make sure I got this right. So initially, everybody wanted an elementary school for that reason. They brought these folks together. They looked at the data. They looked at everything they had to do. They said, no, actually, the better option is this. But because y'all came together and y'all were a part of that process, it wasn't this big, like, revolt around, like, y'all ain't listening <laughs> yes, to us. Yes, yes. Which makes sense, right? Like, that's what we talk about, like, collective buy-in on, on decision-making. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like when communities are like shut out of the process you could have had the perfect solution but if they don't feel like they were part of it they might not it's, right. it's always going to be tension right that makes a lot of sense and, and y'all did that early what do you think prevents us from doing that with more things in the district 
I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think about that frequently, like, why? Hmm. And you've been a part of a lot of those, like, I think you said you were part of the, were you part of the DAC? I know you were part of a lot of committees in the district, too. I was in the, it was called, at that time when I was on it, the Hispanic Education Advisory Council. Mm -hmm. I was on the district-wide Parent Advisory Council. Mm. I did like a band books committee. <laughs> that was fun. All on your free time. All on my free time of my two jobs and being a single parent. Yeah. How did you, how? how? I think it's just when you have a passion for something, you're going to be relentless and, mm. and, working on that passion. And that's what I was. And yeah, I remember even before the podcast, you were telling me about like making sandwiches for the basketball team. Yes, I did. I did that for 12 years. <laughs> How, <laughs> first of all, I think it's like 12 years is a long time. There's a lot of people that are doing some stuff and it's maybe for a year for the season. You know, what, uh, what was the result of that? Like sustained effort? of trying to support something with something tangible like that? Well, it started out, you know, I knew one thing that was valuable and is it has an impact is kids participating in extracurriculars, mm -hmm. be that music, drama, theater, sports, uh, robotics, whatever it is yeah. that they choose, that extra, that belonging to a group with yeah. your similar interests. And so... My kids always played sports, so I knew when we started with basketball, um, we we were like, wow, we didn't have a lot of kids. For one, a lot of kids didn't have the grades. Mm -hmm. A lot of the boys did not have the grades even to to play and participate. Yeah. So we said, uh, the coach, and I, the coach and I, we were like, how can we do things different? How can we support this? Yeah. And so we looked at different things what what was it going to take and just building that leadership building that team concept yeah that we need that's so successful even in the workplace and everything in the future that kind of working together how do you look at everybody on your team and say what's your weaknesses what are the strengths yeah. how do we build upon that weakness and support yeah. that part of the team and then build on the strengths the team has. Yeah, hold each other accountable. Hold each other accountable and know that you're all in it towards that common goal. And, you know, for basketball, it was yeah. how do we perform the best we can on the court. Yeah. So we did, um, a lot of the kids said, hey, you know, what happens? I get like this mental breakdown. Hmm. So we said, let's find some sports psychologists. So let's some students from DU came oh, several wow. of the years and talked to the kids. They'd watch them in practice. They'd watch them in a game. Then they'd talk to them. Huh. And then also, we also had that two-hour time, almost a two-hour time period when they got out of school to when they started practice. So yeah. we also wanted them to do something <laughs> constructive <laughs> in that time period. And then we, I partnered with Athletics and Beyond, mm -hmm. And we brought in different people like, hey, kids on your team, what what's motivates you? What do you want to be? What can we do to support this? So we brought in like college coaches, mm. college athletes. We brought in people who talked about um, 
if you were smoking, what does that damage do? What does that mm. do to your performance on the court? What mm. does that do to you in life? When you're walking in with, you know, that 32 ounce big gulp that you're drinking every day. <laughs> the big gulp and the hot Cheetos. <laughs> uh, yes. How is that, you know, your overall health? Yeah, the nutrition. The yeah. nutrition and. So then we started, that's when I started like, oh, okay, we'd go to games and, you know, um, DPS does like the C team, JV mm -hmm. and varsity. They leave the school all together and they come back when the third game's over. Yep. So the kids were hungry. Yeah. Boys are hungry. Yeah. I, <laughs> I remember those days you just sitting around. like. Yeah. So I started like, okay, we asked the parents at the beginning of the season, can you pitch in 20 bucks mm -hmm. and we will feed the kids throughout the season that's awesome so i would go and make like 75 sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> so that they would have food yeah because they weren't going to play they weren't if you go to school and you're hungry you can't think if you if you're going to play your sport yeah and all of that was just intertwined yeah i didn't realize how much it mattered i think as a kid you just kind of like grow accustomed to certain things so you just think things are normal and you, you know you're invincible you can you know mm -hmm. run forever and the other day man i was at a i was at the gym i hadn't eaten all day and i was like dying and i was like oh man like one i'm getting older i feel that but also like the nutrition and all those things <laughs> that you take for granted getting older. <laughs> i'm telling you i feel we had the we had the basketball tournament i didn't even play i was still sore i'm like what is going on i used to play basketball for like seven hours a day and then go party afterwards like i can't do that no more but those are the things that, like, you're not even aware of, so you can't even start to build those habits, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, unless someone tells you right. early on. Yeah. Another thing we would always do is encourage, we'd ask all the kids, once you graduate, come back. Come back to practice. Come yeah. back to the games. So we really did that encouragement of the alumni coming back. So the kids would see, like, yeah. and the bottom line, I think, for all of us was, they knew that somebody cared about them, yeah. cared about their success, cared about them. And that was important. Mm -hmm. And that still is important. Yeah, I still have, you know, kids, all these kids that I see, they'll, they contact me. They're like, hey, uh, one young man, he just graduated from CU with an engineering degree. Uh, and he's working at Lockheed Martin. <clears throat> and he was like, Marlene, a lot of that is, you know, you introduced me to a lot of things during huh. that time. We did applied for some grants. Yeah. Uh, one, we applied for a grant from the Young Latino Philanthropist, mm -hmm. and we used that money to go on a weekend retreat up at Estes Park for the hmm. teams. And I took the teams and I took the boys. I prepped them on, you know, here's how we applied for the grant, and I yeah. want you to tell them about it. And so... We did get a grant from them and yeah. fundraising. Huh. So we, um, have you heard about the Sandoz food baskets? No. They do them at North every year. The Sandoz family has been doing it for years. <clears throat> and they'll pack about 2,000 food baskets wow. on uh, the Sunday before Christmas. Huh. Saturday before Christmas. So what I would do was take the kids not on that day when they were packing them but i'd take them the day before 
have them unload the trucks yeah. and set up the gym. Uh-huh. And they just, they felt like, they felt They're like they were doing something important. Like it was important to the community that seeing all this food yeah. that was about to go in 2000 food baskets, like I'm a part of this. I'm yeah. a part of, you know, helping somebody have a meal for yeah. For Christmas. I mean, one of the biggest things, so we've been going on this like cycle and this run around asking people how they define success and, you know, talking to high school students, talking to alumni, some went to college, some didn't. And one of the biggest things we hear is like sense of purpose as a metric of success. And that could be a bunch of different things, right? It could be making Absolutely, the sandwiches yeah. for the for the basketball team. It could be coaching. <laughs> it could be church, whatever their thing is. But as long as there was something that they felt like they were contributing to something larger than themselves. Right. Is one of the, like the five major components we're hearing from people as they define success. And I feel like when we talk to students and we talk to alumni, a lot of it was, look, y'all, I don't see the connection between what I'm doing in school, what my passion is, what my future is. And so like, yeah, I'm gonna do it, but like, or I'm just gonna opt out. You know what I mean? Like we've lost the why behind things. Um, and I think the district has kind of gone in into this direction where like we forget that like kids need to explore and they need to find that purpose and they need to do those types of things. And a lot of that just comes from talking to people. Again, like as if if you got into this role, how do you create more opportunities to talk to people so we can find tangible ways by which we can serve them? You know what I mean? Um, beyond public comment. I know we talked a little bit about our families, but like right. how do we how do you do that actively beyond like a town hall and stuff like that i think you you have to be in the community you Mm. have to be there in in all different types of ways um you have to be sitting in the stands watching a game and listening to people's conversations you have to be at events and hearing people and meeting them meet people where they are so you know you can understand that yeah and um i think for me i've grown up in that uh, my whole life has been that. And so I I think back, where do I learn stuff? You know, where do I hear from the community? And that's just always being out there listening to people. Hmm. Um, have you heard of Cafecito? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where all my, like, idols go. You know what I mean? And so the beauty of Cafecito, I mean, think about this. This is a group of women who started this because they felt... They had no place to go and talk about issues Mm. and things that were going on in the community. So they started meeting and it started, it went from four women Uh to our email list now is like just about a thousand people. And we're meeting every Friday and this group meets, there's no money involved. We have no budget. But the thing is that we focus on is like, hey, you. Okay, Teray wants this wants to know about this. Who can we find in the community to come and talk to us about whatever it is? Yeah. Um, we had a couple weeks ago somebody come and talk about Prop HH. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going on with that. Because it's important, like, to know what's going on in the community, and you need to get that information and in, some real in way. order to use it. Yep. You have to have it in order to use it and to create something. <laughs> yeah. And so that's 
how this has gone on for over 30 years and that's just simple right it's just getting together and talking to people and anybody's invited it's mainly women yeah but we do let a little (laughs) men sometimes a few men can come this like this coming friday uh the president from cu is coming to talk to us wow and that's real power to like be able to get that person there you know what i mean like that, that, it's cool that like leaders are recognizing the value of of that space. Yes, yeah. and so I I think that you you have to, so those are the things that you do that. Yeah, and that is something I would do because that's what I do now. You know, yeah. listening to people going out. Um, our Latino commission with Dr. Silva, mm-hmm. Dr. Jose Silva did this big backpack giveaway at mm-hmm. Sloan's Lake, and just. You're, we're sitting there talking about what we did in the Latino Commission, but we're hearing from all these people, and we're asking them, "What's important to you? Hmm. What do you want to? What do you want to see? What are hmm. the issues that affect you the most?" So we're in the park. Yeah, it's fun, and we're hearing from all these different people. Yeah, so That's, I mean, so like I said, you know, we, you know, we had the basketball tournament. People ask me like, "Why a basketball tournament? How is that going to help with education policy?" And I'm like, well, yo, like you sit down and then all of a sudden you got some dude saying like, yo, how can I help? Or, man, I've been trying to figure out where to send my daughter to kindergarten. And we could say, hey, yo, you know, talk to this person. Mm-hmm. They can help you here. Like it's it's those little things that you start to pick up on, like the underlying the underlying issues. Um, the trick is, is like, then how do you how do you translate that into like policy? Um, and before before we even get into that, my question to you is like when we did the mayoral forum in like April, one of the big things we had to educate people on was like what the mayor actually has control over. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, especially when it came to education. Um, what, I guess, what have you learned throughout this process about the school board? And then like, what do you p- wish people knew about like the functionality of what the school board is supposed to be doing? I think <clears throat> I'll go back to that mayoral thing. Mm-hmm. When we, we also had all the candidates, city council and mayoral candidates come to Cafecito, whoever somebody wanted to hear from. Yeah. And every single time we had this, the question was asked, what are you going to do about DPS? Mm-hmm. And then there's that misunderstanding that you just talked about the mayor doesn't control dps the city council doesn't control dps should they have a great partnership absolutely yeah but i think in doing a lot of these forums and questionnaires a lot of these things are we don't even have the jurisdiction to create a policy on something that sometimes people are asking that isn't the city council doesn't, or the mayor doesn't? The school board. The school board, like, okay. What I'm saying is the school board, people will ask a question, and it's like, in actuality, the school board cannot make a policy relating to, you know, Whatever. a particular topic. Yeah, yeah. So I think understanding that, what you actually do, understanding this policy governance form mm-hmm. is very, very complicated yeah. and it's very hard to understand. Yeah. And so I think that's something, you know, okay, superintendent, you need to increase the reading, mm-hmm. reading scores, yep. but how he chooses to do that, we have no control over that. Mm. Y'all have control over hiring that superintendent. So either his vision is aligned to what y'all want to see or not. Right. Is, is the idea. 
and I, I think that's the that's the hard part, especially when we talk about like building community, listening to folks. Sometimes people say, oh, the school board listened to me. So y'all did everything right, but like what you have control over and what you don't, now people are mad at you. Like you didn't do what you said you were gonna do. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think a lot of like the frustration is a matter of like mismanaged expectations. Like people just don't understand. You, you feel what I mean? Yes. And what I've been asking them like, all right, well, if the school, then what is the proper way to engage as a community when you see something not going well, you know what I mean? And how do you, how do you engage in the school board in a productive way? That's not just rah, 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 I'm mad at you, and here's my Facebook post. Right, I think you, you definitely have to have multiple ways of engagement, not mm -hmm. just public comment or, yeah. you know, and knowing that one of your, and you also do have to do that, right? You're mm -hmm. elected to be the community voice. Yeah in creating these policies. Yeah. And then you're, you know, in old ways, you know, a lot of typical things are you're the boss, so you give your employee, yeah. here's your performance standards. Yep. And so then it's pretty clear. Yep. Whether or not they met those standards. Right, and then yeah. you review it. You're not meeting this performance goal. Yep. I needed you to do Excellent. X amount of time things in this amount of time and it's just I don't know if it wor is working that way right <laughs> now <laughs> that's true I mean I, there's a there's a question out there around like well what is the metric of success right now um and I don't I, I have, I've yet to get a clear answer on what that what that is you know what I'm saying and um I guess yes. going back to a question from earlier is like what would you stay, say is like the what is the metric of success that maybe we should be looking at, but we're not right now? For our kids? Yeah, or for the district as a whole. I mean, I think one of the main things is student outcomes. Mm -hmm. We know we suffered through this pandemic and all this other types of things that we weren't prepared for. Yeah. And we know that everybody learning took a hit. Yeah. Kids took a hit on their learning. Learning loss is real. Yeah. And so how do we recognize that and, and go forward and saying, we're going to have to step in and do a little extra because we mm -hmm. need to make up for that learning loss. And some of the kids already are graduated and they're experiencing what that damage did yeah. to them and that learning loss. I was thinking about the pandemic and I'm like, yeah, like my daughter started school. She was in preschool during the, during the pandemic. She's in first grade now. And I'm like, you can even see a difference in terms of like how she interacts with other kids. Like how kids interact there is completely different how kids interact because and it makes sense. Like they, they spent the first like year and a half either not in school or in school separated with masks on. That's going to have an impact on how they socialize, which is going to have yes. an impact on how they learn. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. I don't understand why that's like a controversial topic to talk about. <laughs> I mean, I think we all need to acknowledge learning loss. It's It was there. It's evident. It's yeah. data proven. Yeah. And so what are we going to do to make up for that? We, we need to do extra. Mm -hmm. And I think outcomes is important. We look at how many kids leave the district and not just graduate, but are you prepared to mm -hmm. go on and live this enriched life, whatever you envision it to be? Yep. And a lot of times the answer is no. Yeah, even if they checked in all the boxes. Yes. Right? We're hearing that from alumni a lot. Like, I did everything you told me I was supposed to do. 
and I'm still struggling. Mm-hmm. And the question is, is did you or did you, you know, were they able to check off the box for you? But like, how do we get more of the students that are calling you from Lockheed Martin saying, hey, my educational experience, the things you did for me helped me realize, and now I'm in a position where I can thrive. You know what I mean? But we're not even measuring that right now. Um, One young man I know, he um, went to through the Porter Billups Academy, mm-hmm. so then he was able to attend Regis without mm-hmm. cost, lived at home, so he didn't have a huge amount of cost, but he is a DACA student. And so now he's like, I did, I did all these things. I, I played sports. I was good. I participated in this leadership program. I finished college with uh, a computer science degree. But now I can't even get a job. So now I can't even f- afford my life. Yeah. And, you know, where, where is it that I go now? Yeah. And one of the things which you mentioned earlier that he said, I really wish that I had some internships mm-hmm. along the way yeah. and I think that would have been helpful mm-hmm. yeah it breaks my heart yo like the amount of stories I hear especially like DACA is an easy one like that's a it's not an easy problem to solve but it's an easy example of like somebody being able to have everything set up but then just a roadblock after right. roadblock after roadblock and it's like well can we call ourselves successful if we didn't help that kid get into a space where they can be a full participant in our communities, you know what I mean? Or be able to have the agency to make certain decisions. And that's one of our, our biggest goals at that end. was like, how do, you, how do you create and how do you measure that? And then how can what we learn from talking to students after they've left, how can that then impact the decisions we're making while they're still in school? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are some hard questions yeah. to raise. <laughs> these are things uh, that we're solving these life problems. It is it's rough. Yeah. Another young woman, she wanted to get in the fire department. Mm-hmm. So she came to my son. She came to me. I'm struggling. I can't get in. I need, mm-hmm. you know, what can you do to? So we together tried to introduce her to people and try to help her, support her, passing the test yep. and everything. And that test a monster too. The test, the kids, you know, and a piece of it, when we go back to performance standards and that kind of stuff, one of the pieces is like that math component. Yeah. And you have to have some math skills to do that position. Yeah. I mean, not, you don't have to be some like mathematician or whatever, calculus expert or anything, but. So we introduced her, we supported her over a little bit of time. So now, um, she's a young black woman, and so she'll be, I think there's, I know there's less than 10 black females in the fire hmm. department, I think, but, yes. so she's going to start the academy in February. Jeez, look so, at that. you know, and reaching out and, and, and trying to find and helping people and yeah. letting people know, hey, I'm here. Yeah. I'll try to do what I can for you. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the big things. We have the Alumni Connect program. We're starting it at uh, Lincoln and George. And one of the big things was just like, number one, we asked students everywhere we go, how many people do you, how many of y'all know somebody that you would say is successful that came from your school? And there's usually like maybe one hand that gets raised. And I'm like, nah, like there's a lot of brilliant people that have come out of this district that look just like you, that came from a the similar background mm-hmm. as you. The issue is like a lot of us come up and then we, we break out. 
And the other thing we heard from alumni is like, no, nah, I want to go back. I want to help. They, There's just no. Yeah, they want to have that space. They want to have be that able space. to come back. Yeah, but it's just not. It's just not there mm -hmm. in, in a way that they feel is accessible. So we're trying to create this thing where, like, if you're a counselor, you you can say with confidence, actually, yeah. There's somebody that came from this school that's a firefighter right now, and they're willing to come in and sit down and have an hour of conversation with mm -hmm. you just to help you kind of figure out what you need to do. And even that, like the schools have been great in trying to figure it out to make it sustainable and get some district buy-in. It's like, uh, even that is, is hard to like implement. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right, um, I mean, even, even through sports would be a great way of it. Yeah. These coaches encouraging alumni, come back, you know, just, Come and watch some practices. Yeah. Come to a game. They see you in the stand. They learn your name. Yeah, people care. Uh huh. And they know that same thing. What we said earlier is, you want to know that somebody cares about your success. Yeah, a hundred percent. Outside of your family, you know, you kind of expect your family yeah. to care about you, but and some kids don't really feel like they have that even. Yeah. You know what I mean? Here's some other person. They care about whether or not I'm successful. Yeah, and that makes me work a little bit harder when times get tough. Mm -hmm. You know. Switching gears a little bit, when was the last time you changed your mind about something? Um, just a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me, walk me through it, walk me through it. No, I, I looked at, like, there's so many documents in DPS. Mm -hmm. Like, you look on the website, there's so many documents. Yeah. And what I thought about one thing, mm -hmm. and then somebody pointed out, wait, you missed this part of hmm. what you were saying or and then I said, oh, okay. So they said, go back and read this document. And they gave me specific pages to read. Hmm. And I went back and I read it. And I was like, now I understand. Now I understand the context. Yeah, now I see that, you know, I made a mistake. And hmm. I needed to to go back. And, and I reflected upon what they told me. Yeah. And I went back and I read this document. And I said, Yes, I see where they're coming from. It, yeah. It's different the way they were looking at this different than I was. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think one thing about the politics, specifically within the school board, is it's it's limited our ability to have that type of dialogue. And I think one thing I've never heard across the board is, hey, I was wrong. I got some new information. Now I'm going to move this way. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like, how do you start... Like, as a school board member, it seems like you would come in with this mentality of, you know, let me learn, let me adjust. Yeah, there's but so much to learn. Do you feel like the environment is set up for the grace that's necessary for somebody to learn and grow? No. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you, you know, that's one of those things about leadership, right? Mm -hmm. You have to acknowledge your mistakes. You have to listen to people when they're giving you that feedback. Yeah. And if it's... If it's correct, acknowledge you made a mistake. You're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And and you learn from it and you keep on going from there and yeah. try to improve on the mistake you made. Yep. Continuous I, improvement. That's yes, all it is. And I think I think that's absolutely important. But I think you're right, the grace is not there. Yeah. Yeah. I think too we we've been seeing like well, the whole system is set up for no grace and not being able to get the wrong answer. Right. Right? Like it's about getting the right answer all the time. If you don't, you're not worth it. Mm -hmm. You feel me? Um, it's either you pass this test or you don't pass the test. Right. Um, to the point where we've almost lost the process of learning because we're afraid to fail at anything, which is the greatest teacher of right. across the board. Right. And I think that's reflected in our leadership as well. 
You know what I mean? You if you're have, not making mistakes, you are not learning. Yeah, you're not even trying, <laughs> not really. You are not growing <laughs> if you're not making a mistake. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, let's see. I'm looking through my list here. I think we've hit everything mostly. Um, I think the the one of the big questions is like, what is your vision for the future of the district? Um, when you sit in the seat, what are the things that you want to make sure you get done um, that'll help us lead towards this kind of like shared definition of success? I think some cohesiveness, mm -hmm. some, you know, common common goals that we can all see that we need to work on. And recognizing that we all have a different belief and ideology about what how we think this educational path should be. Yeah. But recognizing at the end of the day, we're looking at a future that's gonna be a multicultural future. Our, our people are gonna that's what our our people are gonna be in the future, multicultural. And how do we enhance that? How do we recognize it? And it's going to be a very digital world. <laughs> Everything is going to be digital. And so how do we come together? We have to come together because I, I don't, I really truly believe that we all have the same one common goal and that's the success of the kids. Mm -hmm. How we all are going to come at it is going to be different. Yeah. But acknowledging that at the end of the day, we want the same thing and, and take this all of this negativity that's surrounding right yep. this institution we have and turn it positive let's mm. use that energy let's make it better i believe truly as a philanthropist yeah i believe that we all have something we can give hmm. our money our our knowledge hmm. our time to make somebody else's life better yeah and impact their life and you never know and maybe it is just a damn sandwich or yeah. you know something. i mean just a damn sandwich could change a whole day you feel me you, yes but yeah. understanding that yeah we we can do this if we unite together yeah. How, it's going to be difficult right that's yeah. putting out all of our egos aside yeah. and saying okay i recognize that we both want the same thing yeah absolutely is there something you learned being on this campaign trail, like throughout the campaign, that you want people to kind of be able to see? I think one of the things that we are not paying enough attention to, and I guess I've been hearing it a lot, especially from the kids, right, mm. the students, that there's a lot of trauma going mm. on, a lot of mental health crisis. And how do we recognize that it's there and make people feel comfortable in admitting that yeah. that it's there yeah. you know some for some of us it goes against our cultural yeah. upbringing that it's not it's that's not okay to admit that yeah. and and seeing how much damage and the more we're in here leaders are fighting mm -hmm. we're affecting that we we are adding fuel to that fire yeah. and how do we admit that it's there and how do we support that growing of that social emotional yeah to have them be their best yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. am i making sense no that makes a lot of sense um i think i definitely that has been a big thing that you're hearing across the board mm -hmm. yeah we hear it too um and how how do we support that? I, I don't think I have all the answers for that, yeah. but I'm willing to listen to yeah. ways people can do that. Yeah. I mean, a, a couple of things we found, I don't have all the answers either, 
But one thing we found is like, look, if you just have a community with you and like you have people that you feel like you can be your full self with, it, it, it's a game changer. Even if it's just for mm -hmm. that hour that you're there, for the two hours that you're there. Um, recognizing that like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy for feeling this way. Like there's other people like, that's one of the biggest things we've heard from alumni while they keep coming back. Like at what point I was like, why y'all keep coming back? <laughs> and um, and I realized too, it's like, yeah, that's part of the reason why I keep doing it is because there's people that I've been able to gather around and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm not tripping. Like this isn't just me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, other people are kind of attacking this thing in a different way. Maybe I could try this, maybe I could try that. So we've seen that help. Um, and then it's just back to that purpose is, you know, a lot of folks are just like, especially once they just get out of high school, like, well, all right, well, I don't got this like structured, structured space for me that like defines success for me. And either I was successful or I wasn't in that space. Um, but now it's up to me to determine what success is. It's up to me to determine right. like what I want. No one's ever taught me the skill set to identify what I want and ask for what I want. Um, and so now I feel like I'm just like drifting in the wind. Um, even if I did go to college, right? Like there's a lot of folks that we're hearing that from. And so I, I keep thinking about school and it's just like, all right, cool. How do we help people identify their purpose? How do we help them explore and try a bunch of different things? Mm -hmm. um, how do you get them to feel like they're working towards something? That all contributes to their mental health. Right. You know what I mean? It's not just, they're not asking to be coddled. You know, they're not asking to be, but when I was at uh, one school doing our research project, the students were like, all the teachers want to act like they're our friends. They're like, I don't need you to be my friend. I also don't need you to be like my, like, you know, prison officer. Like, I need you to help me, like, teach me, be my mm -hmm. teacher, like, respect me, right. hold me accountable. Like, they're asking for this heavy. And um, I think that's contributing to their mental health, too, because everyone's saying, mm -hmm. poor baby all day. They don't want that. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Um, and so there's a lot there. Um, as we wrap this up, uh, I was just going to say oh, go one of the reasons why I think our cafecito has lasted this long is because it is that it's a space yes. to go in there and say it's like free therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we hear that too. Yeah, yeah, I'm having this issue, or I, I'm I feel this way about this, and you know, yep. give me some feedback or give me another perspective, and it has been a place where we can just go and just be. Just be. Yeah. Be who we are. Yeah. That matters. That matters. Why should folks vote for you? People should vote for me because I think now's the time for change. And I think we really need, as I said, that collaboration. We need somebody who's going to unite people, whether or not we agree on the way we're going to get to that goal. Mm -hmm. And I think I've been spending my life doing that. And mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to do that. And I come with that community being, investing my life in the community and trying to uplift it all the time. Yeah, love it. Anything else that folks, you want to, you want people to hear from you uh, that they might not be able to hear <coughs> from you in the, these other spaces by which, where you get to talk? I'm, I'm willing to learn. I want to listen. I know it's a complicated system. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to look at data. I want to be committed to looking at data and trying to work with community, not against the community. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming through. Thank you for having me today. All right. Peace.